0: I'm furious, I'm angry, and I'm confused. I'm not educated in politics. I don't know what this means for me and my children, my two daughters, my son.
1: It's disgusting. These grown men in power making laws about women's bodies, and I
2: won't be silent about it.
3: It's a circus out there on the sidewalk. They need your focus. They need someone to tell them, you're safe. We fought this battle. We won this battle.
1: Why are we fighting this battle again? If there are people you do not want to tick off, it's women my age, because we have
2: nothing to lose. As the battle over abortion rights rages across America, lives are at stake. Barriers to reproductive health care access have forced many people to travel long distances and to cross state lines to freedom of choice, for their body, for their future, and for ours. You'll hear the stories from the front lines, from those seeking abortion care, and the heroes who help them along the way, one journey at a time. This is Crossing the Line. 24 hours after the Supreme Court's landmark decision overturning Roe v. Wade, protests are growing in the streets.
4: Women's rights are human rights! Women's rights are human rights!
2: This morning, emotions
5: still raging about the Roe v. Wade reversal.
2: Eight states with trigger laws immediately banned abortion after the ruling, while another 18 are expected to ban abortion over the coming days. As clinics close across the country, tensions are rising.
3: The Department of Homeland Security expects violence could occur for weeks following the court's decision.
5: In Rhode Island, a state Democratic candidate punched in the face by her Republican opponent.
2: In Iowa, a truck seen here driving into an abortion rights protest, leaving one person injured. And in Arizona, police officers firing tear gas into a crowd of protesters from the windows of the state capitol red states are pushing for more extreme abortion restrictions. And further confusing matters, so-called zombie laws that have long been dead in the courts but are still alive on the books are rising up again.
1: It's a law nearly two centuries old. Wisconsin's abortion ban, written in 1849, just a year after Wisconsin became a state.
6: The battle over abortion in Arizona. Attorney General Mark Burnovich asked a court today to let the state's 158-year-old ban on abortion take effect.
3: Virtually every abortion provider in the state has shut down because the law isn't clear.
2: These laws had been considered moot while Roe was the law of the land. But after the overturn, that all changed. In Michigan, Attorney General Dana Nessel is taking a stand.
7: And this incredibly strict 1931 law would criminalize abortion in a state, with virtually no exceptions. I refuse to enforce this draconian law.
2: Conservative counties in Michigan are fighting her on the decision. While Detroit, Ann Arbor, and Grand Rapids lean pro-choice, other parts of the state are more conservative, especially Michigan's Thumb, an area north of Detroit known for its farming communities, small town vibes, and militia activity.
6: Yale is a very conservative community. We are very remote. We're only an hour or so from Detroit, but we're really about 150 years away from Detroit. Shelley
2: O'Brien owns the
6: Yale Hotel in the heart of downtown. There's the Confederate flag welcoming people as they enter the town from the south. I used to describe them as just people who were still upset about the Brown versus the Board of Education decision. I am one of maybe three people in town that feels comfortable to be vocal in our liberal ideas. I think I've just always been bothered by injustice.
2: Before the overturn, Shelley had offered a Jane's room at her hotel to women traveling long distances to seek abortion care. She didn't realize the backlash
6: it would cause. I was completely unprepared for the drama that would ensue. A lot of the conservatives boycotted me. People said I should have been aborted. All of the crazies got upset and threatened to burn my place down. That was mind blowing. I had to get volunteers in to answer our phones for us because we couldn't even run the business.
2: But Shelley's stand also revealed the complicated reality of the abortion issue.
6: All of my friends told me that they'd had an abortion or helped somebody through it, either pay for it or drive them or something in some way. Everybody is affected by this. A lot of women in my area had dealt with this, but had absolutely nowhere to go with it. And me being vocal about it, gave them permission to speak about it. And I had strangers giving me hugs and telling them thank you for, I guess, just starting the conversation and making it safe to say it out loud.
2: Shelley's daughter, Haley, works at Northland Family Planning, a group of women's reproductive health clinics in the southern part of Michigan.
4: So we're going to our clinic in a more conservative area. And I think that explains the heavier protest activity and less like police activity where there's all types of characters shouting all kinds of obscenities. Yeah, you'll see a number of people with signs saying, we'll take your baby. Okay, but the fetus is not a baby. It has no stories. The story of a fetus is the story of the person carrying it. I am mother
2: of a murdered child. As Haley pulls into the parking lot, The anti-abortion protesters, known by staff and volunteers as antis, have already started to gather. The Roe overturn has emboldened them.
4: It's disturbing to have someone who is so hateful towards women dedicating four to six hours of their week
2: trying to shame and intimidate women. Saturdays are the clinic's busiest days. More patients means more antis, but Haley doesn't let it shake her resolve.
4: All of our clinics, we have bulletproof glass protecting the office from the waiting areas. We have security guards at every clinic, which has come by necessity. There's protesters at each location, some of them armed and some of them heavily armed. And, I mean, it is their goal to shame and intimidate staff and patients.
2: A team of private security guards and an army of volunteer escorts help shield patients and staff from the harassment.
4: It's really nice to drive in and see them. They're all wearing rainbow attire and have rainbow umbrellas to try to protect the patients and staff as they're walking in because the protesters are recording generally and like taking photos. And I mean, it's just unsettling and it can be really upsetting for spouses and partners that are there with them too.
0: They pull into the lot and they see a bunch of people in rainbow vests. They hear some fun music. And so then you see this and you go, okay, this is normal. I'm normal. This is a medical procedure that I need, and I'm normal. It makes it safe. We're here to create that sense of safety, of community, that you're not alone in this.
4: Here's the escorts. That's Marie.
1: You're in the perfect spot. Go right in this door. When you leave, they're going to walk in front of you, maybe, try to make you stop talk to them. They never said anything interesting yet. Just keep rolling, and they'll move out of the way. All right.
2: Marie has been the lead volunteer escort here for the past six years.
1: We have patients who get scared and drive past. They see the antis. They call the clinic and say, I'm afraid to come in. And the clinic has to say, there are people there who will keep you safe, come on in. One of my friends at church said, I'm going to check this thing out. Do you want to go with me? And I said, sure. At the beginning, in part, I stayed because of the other escorts. These are the coolest people you will ever meet. The longer I do it, the more important it feels. All the stuff that's going on nationally, the increased pressure, the increased threats—it just feels important to be here on Saturday mornings. Good morning. Hi. She
3: parked elsewhere. Uh huh. She's here for an appointment.
1: Okay, come on. We'll walk you right in here. All right. Where are you parked? Are you parked that way? Yeah, right. When you leave, we're going to sneak you out through the bushes so you don't have to go past them again. All right. Just wave at one of us, and we'll get you out there. We play music back here. It doesn't block, obviously, it doesn't block them entirely, but it does blur. Like, you'll hear the music here instead of, or at least with, their yammer. It doesn't solve a problem, but it lends to that you're safe here. This is not to be worried about atmosphere. Good morning.
2: Yesterday's Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade is still settling in. I've been too busy
1: to sit down and and process. Yesterday was just, you know, my phone blew up. Texts, emails, calls. I think today or tomorrow when I get home and I can sit down and actually read the whole
2: decision, that's when I'm going to hit my wall. A new clinic escort is also being trained.
8: So it's my first day volunteering here at the clinic as a clinic escort. I've been wanting to come out and volunteer for a while, and I definitely was motivated by yesterday's overturn of Roe v. Wade for sure.
2: Marie and her fellow escorts use code names on the lot to stay safe.
1: When I talk to people who want to volunteer, one of the things I tell them is that they need to have a nickname, and if they don't have one, the antis will give them one. I go with ma'am. That's something that they started calling me years ago
3: when I started. My name is Kingpin. <laughs> I was named by the antis. <laughs> one of the loonier of them named me Kingpin because he thought I was in charge. So that's my name now.
2: Fear and intimidation are a daily occurrence. Michigan is an open carry state, and protesters are allowed to brandish weapons.
9: Abortion is murder, murder is a sin. To those considering murdering their children to make them suffer for your sin and sexual immorality, you too will be a mother of a murdered child.
1: Patients come in. We go to every car, checking to make sure they're patients, right? If a man drives in the lot alone, we're like, on the car. <laughs> what What do you want? What are you here for?
9: We're basically looking out for any suspicious behavior. And they have assault rifles. I mean, they're not even subtle about it. And We're trying to consult patients who are mm-hmm. understandably uneased by the people who are screaming, terrible things at them. We're just looking out for everything that's going on, everything that the antis are doing.
3: It's a circus out there on the sidewalk. They need your focus. They need someone to tell them you're safe.
2: Many of the antis are regulars.
1: We have the same ones again and again, and some who travel, we all know who they are. And, and you know, we'll be able to say, heads up, be aware that this person's dangerous and headed your way. So there is a network of escorts who keep an eye on on the travelers. It's our job to know who they are. One may not be, this guy might not be a danger. He might just be annoying forever. And then if he starts acting funny, we keep a closer eye on him. That is our job, that documenting them, knowing who they are, what they're usual, and who's not, who's unusual, who's new, who's acting suspicious or maybe watching us from afar.
2: Marie points out one anti who is here nearly every Saturday today he's holding a baby. Normally he has a bullhorn and often he's
1: armed. He has shown up with a semi-automatic across his back and a handgun on his hip. We don't know if he's carrying if we can't see it. Um, often armed, very, very scary guy. And he posts threats on Facebook about us, um, which we report. When Gets going with his hate speech, and he will, you're going to hell, hoes go to hell, you deserve to die. He'll be standing on a ladder with a firearm in a boulevard, you deserve to die. It's hard to listen to, and for the most part, after you've been doing it a while, you've just heard it all. It's more a matter of protecting other people from it. Can you check on him? Thanks. Yeah, don't get hit, Dave.
9: <laughs> we know that these people are very agitated and sometimes are not receiving adequate mental health care so we are a little worried about them becoming violent at times especially if they have assault rifles we have to treat this like someone who could at any moment become an active shooter when we know someone is armed we never take our eyes off them we always we're always watching
2: the volunteers wear cameras similar to body cameras worn by police to document any troubling or intimidating behavior
3: we've got the cameras all around the building but they don't capture audio so it's like when something weird's going on or when you know the anti they started bringing an ak-47 and a sidearm we just said when he's here someone's on him all day and it is on we are not missing a thing
1: all right you
3: good um yeah
1: i've got the cameras so if they break a law, if there's something they're saying that's hate speech, you know, anything out of the ordinary, we try to film. We watch. Some of them are really not stable, so we watch. Is this guy gonna be spicier than usual? And then we document. <laughs> Good morning, I'm with the clinic. I'm not here to bother you. Doors open, you can go on right in there where that rainbow vest is standing. When you leave, this guy or his friends might like try to walk in front of the car. Don't let him stop. You just keep rolling, they'll move out of the way. They're annoying, they're just
2: ha- they're harmless, they're just really annoying.
1: If you need anything on morning, either one of you,
2: look for a rainbow vest, OK? okay? Yes, thank you. Uh-huh. Standing up to the bullies takes a tough skin.
1: We tell new escorts, if you can't <coughs> not engage, if you can't be out here with. talking back or reacting to the way you're being treated you can't be here just because it's not safe. It's not for everybody if you find you can't do it we'll still love you (laughs) if you can't be in the lot that's fine.
8: This can be really hard work and it can be really jarring both emotionally and physically if you're standing out here for hours and you're just hearing people yell at you and say terrible things.
2: Escort Kingpin describes the safety training they all receive.
3: Our training has been pretty extensive The clinic owner has brought us into meetings with like the FBI and learning active shooter drills. When I started five years ago, we didn't have the security team that we have now. We were the ones putting ourselves between protesters and patients and trying to get people in. We would leave the property and try and get people that were being blocked on the street. I think I've been like manhandled fully twice. We had to reevaluate how we responded because people were showing up with their firearms. One guy said that they had like a bomb in his pocket and we're all like, We're not trained for this.
2: In addition to cameras, escorts keep copious notes to share with the clinic staff, and if need be, the police. Harriet is today's note taker.
8: I document each anti who shows up and take a picture of them, what is happening throughout the day, if they block the driveway, if they chase a car, things like that. So what Harriet's doing is she
1: documents everything
8: that we happens there. That top pregnancy.
1: sheet is all of our known antis, and she can just there circle who's who here, child. put the picture number next to their name, it's so that we can go back room. to the GoPro and figure out when that
2: happened I and get that footage. Emotions are running especially high
1: patients are a little more on edge a little more afraid they're seeing in the media be afraid be afraid there's going to be violence obviously they're also shaken by the ruling people are
8: scared people are angry people are sad I definitely felt a little apprehension and at the same time I would much rather be like the first line of defense for a patient who's just coming to seek care it's kind of been the energy today as we're all a little bit on our toes, just kind of like holding our breath. There's a lot of people who are gonna feel the effects of this. In Michigan, I think it's really confusing right now in this state of whether or not where abortion care is at. And I just wanna be a friendly
3: face and support system here today.
4: I was really nervous actually to go to work yesterday. There's a limited understanding of government and laws among the people that are protesting. And I was worried that they would think that it was illegal and like feel vindicated in, you know, bombing or shooting, I think that's a very, like, practical concern to have, given that they are, like, marching around with assault weapons. It's really troubling to me that, like, that's something
2: that I have to think about in order to go to work.
4: And it's not can... like I'm, like, in the
2: military providing, We're like, health basic care. health care. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Reagan McDonald-Mosley is an OBGYN and the CEO of Power to Decide, a nonprofit that works to advance sexual and reproductive well-being.
5: Right now, there is so much confusion about what's happening, particularly around the Supreme Court decision. People don't know what's true, if abortion is still legal in their state, and if so, where they can get it. Someone's access to life-saving and essential health services should not depend on the state within which they happen to live and it should not depend on their socioeconomic status. But that is exactly the case. And candidly, that has been the case even before this change at the Supreme Court. It's important to remember that this polarization around abortion access has not always been the case. It wasn't until the late 1800s that doctors decided the idea of abortion being immoral. The increase in the
2: number of abortion
5: bans in other states,
2: even before the fall of Roe has also changed how clinic escorts do their job, as Kingpin explains.
3: There's been some really busy days that were like, whoa, there's a lot of out-of-state plates here. And a lot of times it's a lot of Ohio, but we've seen, you know, Kentucky plates up here before. And so with all the other bullshit bills being passed, like, like the vigilante tattletale of uh, Texas, the last thing we want is someone on the sidewalk thinking like, oh, I can get a 10K bounty if I rat this person out because of their plates we have to remind ourselves, don't let your guard down. The original training I got was like, okay, you put yourself between yourself and the protester and you put your back to them because they're gonna tell you that you're assaulting them. And it's like, I would never turn my back to one of them now.
2: The work is stressful, but each volunteer has deeply personal reasons that motivate them.
9: Before I came here, I never knew that there were such intense zealots spouting just the craziest things you can imagine at people. You'd never think, what they say to people would happen in your own community, in a blue county in Michigan, you never expect this.
3: I have privilege, right? I can access this. I have health insurance through my job. There's so many people facing abortion barriers and it's, it should be just accessible.
0: I've lived in Michigan my entire life. I'm trans, so my life has been in danger since the moment I started being trans in public. I am training to be a minister, and I do not consider that at odds with this at all. This is ministry for me, this is community connection, and abortion is sacred and divine.
8: When I started, I was able-bodied, and I was moving around the parking lot and greeting patients. I found out I had a genetic condition that I would pass on, and so having access to abortion care is critical for my health and safety. I've also witnessed situations of domestic abuse with friends where if they hadn't gotten the abortion, they would have been killed. It doesn't matter what your reason is, you should have health care available to you. Everyone has a reason, and it's none of our business.
2: The team's work is not isolated to shepherding oh, yeah. patients for abortion yeah. care. They're gathering job signatures job. for a ballot initiative on abortion access to put to Michigan voters in November.
1: Ma'am, I also need your- Hold then we're getting out of here. Kingpin, you're going to do the- Can I leave you there? Because we have to go to the next thing. We're going to do petitions down in Dearborn at yeah, the- uh, Yeah, Oh, I've got- John's
2: The deadline for submission is just one week away.
1: We're very confident that once this is on the ballot, it will pass. We're polling at 17 percent approval for it. So that's what people don't understand. You know, when they say, see purple on the map, that it's not necessarily that purple.
7: You know, we've been gerrymandered and badly gerrymandered for so many years.
2: Michigan's Attorney General Dana Nessel explains why this is a problem.
7: So what you'll see happen on a regular basis is that when you look at the total sum of votes, you'll see completely skewed results where you have far more Republicans who have taken those offices than, than Democrats. So what we've created is a body of government that unfortunately doesn't really represent people of our nation. Dr.
2: mcdonald mostly agrees.
7: It
5: is absolutely true that these policymakers and judges are completely out of line with the general population in the United States, particularly around abortion access. The majority of people, regardless of their political affiliation, regardless of their race, are largely in favor of access to abortion.
2: The recent surprise defeat of a conservative-led initiative to ban abortion in Kansas may be a bellwether for Michigan. Marie points out success in Michigan would be a victory, not just for the state, but for all pregnant people seeking access across the Midwest. Knowing
1: what Ohio is doing and Indiana is going to do, like where abortion is available, there's not much in the middle where it's going to be available. We will be an oasis, we'll be a sanctuary state, and this auntie network right Um is very much on our minds. How can we support each other? How do I get somebody from your state to my state? And then how we're going to work together moving forward.
2: While Attorney General Nessel has vowed to protect abortion rights, she's up for re-election this November. And prosecutors in more conservative counties are already eager to reinstate the 1931 statute.
7: I absolutely will not, as the chief law enforcement official of my state, enforce this 1931 law. But of course, we have 83 county prosecutors that are duly elected law officials for the counties that they serve, and many of them will enforce the law. Theoretically, in the event that the 31 law did go into effect, I don't think that I would have the legal authority to stop them from prosecuting.
2: Even if the courts continue to block enforcement of the law, Absent a repeal or change to Michigan state constitution, legal issues can still arise down the road for providers.
7: As much as it would be nice to think that we have safe haven areas where we have counties where there is a Democratic prosecutor who has said they will not prosecute, there's a six-year statute of limitations on the 1931 law. If I am succeeded by a Republican who does want to enforce the law, he or she will still be able to do that within the six-year statute of limitations. So I think for a lot of providers, that's scary enough that it will have a chilling effect.
2: Dr. McDonald Mosley, from Power to Decide, concurs that this is uncharted legal territory.
5: We know that there are some lawmakers for whom contraception is next. And there are state legislatures that are already trying to ban access to contraception, specifically emergency contraception and IUDs. And this is completely out of line with what people want and certainly with what people need and is completely the antithesis of uh, public health best practice.
2: Marie drives from her shift at the Northland Clinic to a community organizing event in Dearborn Heights. She's hoping to recruit more volunteers to help get the ballot initiative over the finish line. So I can Um, I can mail these too. you could mail them. Yeah, I'll take them down. I would take them down and drop them off. Yeah. Okay. thank you. One of the attendees, Jacqueline Cuevas, captures the collective anger and frustration of many Michiganders.
0: I'm furious, I'm angry, and I'm confused. I'm not educated in politics. I don't know what this means for me and my children, my two daughters, my son. I am a survivor and thriver of sexual abuse as a child, and I don't know what it means for other people who would be in that same predicament. I can't imagine what it would have been if that would have resulted in pregnancy without any choices. I want to know what I can do that I wasn't able to do for myself, that nobody did for me. That's why I'm here.
2: (laughs) Marie hopes that anger will fuel a new movement here in Michigan to codify abortion rights into law. The energy here gives her reason to hope.
1: I can't tell you how many petition gatherers have told me, I just look for older women, because they're like, just give me the thing. Just, I will take it from you. Give it to me, I'm signing it. They're also, in my experience, the most outraged. And if there are people you do not want to tick off, it's women my age, because we have nothing to lose. We fought this battle, we won this battle. Why are we fighting this battle again?
2: After gathering signatures for the ballot initiative, Marie returns to Northland and finds a lone male protester on the corner. But 18-year-old Emilio is standing in support of a woman's right to choose.
1: All right. (laughs) I don't know, let's go talk to him.
9: I'm out here just showing support for women and their rights because right now they're being taken away by our government.
1: It got me to my stomach, it's disgusting. These grown men in power making laws about women's bodies. I just feel like it's an attack towards low income and marginalized communities
2: and this is not right, and I won't be signing anybody. And when she finds out he's just turned 18, Marie helps him register online to vote.
1: Here, why don't hold your sign? Yes. <laughs> All So right, to fill out the little form. And what county do you live in? There you
9: go. Have you updated your driver's license through the last 10 days? I have not
1: the part everybody has to do. They have to look at their license. I don't yeah. know. What's my zip code with
2: my... <laughs> the escorts know firsthand the importance of civic engagement. They witness the impact of disinformation daily.
8: By far the most important thing for everyone to do is to research who they're voting for and what they're voting for. And to have these conversations with your family and friends because women's lives are now in danger and there's so much misinformation on the internet and on the news channels that They might not be realizing that a lot of these really strict abortion bans that are being passed impact women who have had miscarriages just as much as women who are choosing to have an abortion. It makes it extremely dangerous for all of us.
2: Governor Whitmer is up for re-election this fall. She is polling well ahead of her rival and 34 percent of Michigan voters have identified abortion as one of their top issues. Attorney General Nessel stresses the importance of voting.
7: If we vote in overwhelming numbers, the people of this country can still make a difference. And it's not too late to take back the freedoms that we've lost and that we're going to continue to lose. But we just have to make voting the biggest priority in our lives.
2: By July 7th, volunteers gathered more than 750,000 signatures, a record for ballot initiatives in the state, and enough to put the constitutional amendment to a statewide vote at the midterms. They needed 425000 for it to make the ballot. If their count is right, it would set a state record for the number of signatures on a ballot petition. And on September 8th, a judge from the Michigan Court of Claims delivers some good news.
3: The judge not only ruling the
7: 1931 law is unconstitutional, she also issued a permanent injunction.
2: But celebrations are tempered by a new twist in the war on reproductive rights. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham has proposed a bill in the United States Senate that would create a federal ban on abortion at 15 weeks, a bit ironic after saying the rights should be returned to individual states.
7: This is as foolish a political move
2: as I have ever seen. I don't know whether Lindsey Graham missed it, but the
1: Supreme Court just ruled that the federal government is out
7: of the abortion business and the
1: states take care of it.
2: If successful, the law would supersede Michigan's ballot initiative.
7: Obviously, if that passes nationally, then it won't really matter what our state constitution says because federal law will trump the state constitution.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's clear from the reaction of people across the United States that it's critically important for everyone to have access to reproductive health services, including abortion care. And a ban at the federal level would only make things worse, in particular for brown and black people and for people with lower incomes who already have insurmountable barriers accessing health care and services.
0: Abortion rights is that guard gate because it had Roe v. Wade. It was protected on the books, maybe not accessible, but it was at least protected every protection after that doesn't have that strong of a door. So now they've gone through this one and they're just going to keep plowing through all the doors, all of these things that are getting rolled back. And all I can do is pray that sometime we can rest, but we're not there yet. So we just got to keep plugging away.
7: We can salvage the things that are very important to us and that reflect our values here in, in the United States. But We have to be more committed than ever, and we can't ever sit home because we've become disillusioned, because that's how this happened in the first place.
2: For Shelley, women can't wait for change. Everybody's going to say, oh, it can't happen. It can't happen.
6: Well, no, it just happened with Roe versus Wade, and there is no mechanism currently in place to stop it or mitigate the disastrous effects, regardless of what they think. They are outnumbered, and we will fight back. We can all come together and change enough that it'll be a while before they can swing back at us.
2: And for Marie, her commitment is stronger than ever.
1: I think it's important for people to hear that, yes, this is dire, this is really bad, but we're not giving up. That's that's And that's what I kept telling people yesterday. My phone kept blowing up. What do we do now? What do we do now? Well, today we cry tomorrow we we lace up our work boots and we get back out there and we keep kicking ass because that's all we can do.
2: This is Crossing the Line. This podcast was brought to you by Population Media Center. Executive producers are Lisa Caruso and Alex Domenenko. Co-producer is Kathleen Bedoya and associate producer is Dominica Ruelas. This episode is field produced by Aaron Essenmacher with production services provided by Pidge Productions. Special thanks to the entire team at Northland Family Planning, including Renee Chellian and Lara Chellian, Marie Lowry, Haley O'Brien, Shelly O'Brien, Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel and her staff, Dr. Reagan McDonald-Mosley of Power to Decide, and of course, to all those who shared their stories with us. An additional thank you to our partners, Power to Decide, AbortionFinder.org, and Plan C Pills. Check out ctlpod.com for new episodes, abortion resources, and information on how to take action. Find us on Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.